All right, welcome back to another edition of the Daily Dots. Chase with you. I'll be riding solo today, probably through Wednesday it looks like. Um, I'm going to rip through the markets and then I have a handful of things to talk about. Um, the S&P closed down today about half a percent. The NASDAQ um, almost 1%, about 08 and about 0.9 for the NASDAQ 100. Uh, the Magnificent 7 actually down point or 1.75%. So kind of the worst of the worst was actually the big boys while the small caps were up 1%. So some interesting divergences taking place here of late. Um, the volatility index actually became a teenager again and got above 13. So huge move higher to 13 on, on the VIX. Um, oil down again. It feels like the only asset that hasn't gone up in the last couple of months, but down yet again for oil. We're now $73 on front month um, WTI. Uh, bond yields were a big story today. Front end was up almost 10 basis points. Back end was pretty quiet, long end. Um, only up a couple, but kind of notable um, flattening today with the front end pushing up. Really no no reason for that. No news, no economic data that really did it. I think it's just we've come really far, really fast with adding in uh, three rate hikes to the 2024 calendar. Um, so it makes sense for, for the market to probably kind of sit back and go, wait a second, is that all, is, did we want to put all of that in there? Kind of digest that move and it just would not surprise me at all to see rates front and long in both kind of keep moving their way higher in the near term. Um, also of note, uh, gold and silver overnight, were both ripping, um, and then put in really ugly daily candles and reverse lower, just un- unbelievable candles. But at the same time, and a lot of people are getting bearish because of that, but we're at a four day low for, for gold and silver. And they closed a big gap. They left a few days ago. So um, to me, not a huge deal. Um, as recent entrance into uh, gold and silver, not what you would love to see. But um, to me, again, it, it really you just have to shake out the, all these weak hands and people that were getting entirely too excited here in the last uh, couple of days. Um, so nothing too crazy to me. It, I, I still think that move is going to keep going higher. I still think bond yields are going to keep moving lower. But again, I. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if you went through two or three month stage at some point here soon where all of these trends that have been so violent in the last month or two kind of reverse themselves. Um, that's all I really had from the market perspective. So I'll get into a few things um, that kind of caught my eye here lately or just found interesting or wanted to talk about. Um, so November was the best month for bonds using the aggregate bond index. Since I was two years old, so you got to go back to 1985 for the last time you had a month that high. And I know the 60-40 um, portfolio had one of its best months in history. And you had to go back to the vaccine month to find something similar. And then even if you look out before that, it is your incredibly rare air to have 60-40 have that good of a month. So asset prices have absolutely ripped. And naturally with that, you have financial conditions having one of their best months um, in history. I, I know I looked at a chart going back all the way through the 90s, and there wasn't a month that had financial conditions loosen as much as November did. Um, and even though you know macroeconomic data um, and a lot of like smaller trends are starting to show cracks, like 
you have that big of a loosening of financial conditions, it is going to help the data in, in some way. Now, maybe this whole thing was already starting to feed on itself and spiral and all that does is make that a little slower or more minimal. But at the end of the day, it, it's going to help. So we'll see if on Friday, if we get actual job losses in any way, we're actually expected to go higher than last month because of the strike um, coming, you know, all the people going back to work at auto, auto factories. I think the actual stated um, guesses for, for job gains is probably maybe a little high, but at the same time, if we're if still, if we don't have job cuts, especially in things like construction, um, that probably offers that combined with financial conditions loosening so much with asset prices ripping probably has a wealth effect that feeds back into the consumer on at least on some level in the next two, three months. Um, we, we covered the beige book in depth last week, but I, I did want to mention that Oxford economics puts out a, a beige book um, index where they quantify it and turn it into uh, you know, they put it on a chart and it kind of bounces between negative two and, and positive two. Once you get to about negative one, that's when you're entering recession. And the beige book for the first time in a while actually went negative uh, this last month. So not just did it sound bad when we read it off to you last week on the dots, but quantifiably it is actually negative, but not at that uh, recessionary level yet. You need to kind of get down to negative uh, one before, at least historically, that shows recession. But something that absolutely is showing recession and and in a really trustworthy way is actually GDI, which everyone thinks of GDP, but gross domestic income, which theoretically should be the income derived from all of the production, actually it just went negative on a on a year over year basis. And if you go back to 1948, it has gone negative on a year over year basis 12 times. Well, now 13. All 12 times you were in recession, and there were, there have been zero false positive. So it's, it's literally never gone negative without it signaling a recession. So we're either about to go 13 for 13 and have a recession very soon, or we're going to have the first time in history that gross domestic income went negative and we did not have one. So I'll let you make of that what you will. As we've mentioned on the dots many, many times, there's, I would say at least a dozen indicators that have great track records like that, that have, that have triggered and signaled, um, recession incoming. Uh, so if we don't have one, we're going to break a lot of signals that have worked reliably over time, which is not impossible because we, you know, we just had a pretty bizarre cycle, one unlike anything any of us have ever seen. So if you were ever going to kind of break the data and, and the, the relationships, it would be this one. But I still maintain you probably should bet on something that's worked 12 out of 12 times with zero false signals uh, since 1948. Uh, hotel Hotels is something I want to talk about. And we talked a lot about a lot of different kind of consumer facing data in recent um, months, but haven't really touched on hotels too much. But I, I noticed on a, a chart from Apollo from from Torsten Slock earlier today that for whatever reason, the vacancy rates, um, the the prices that they're able to, to get and everything in hotels are all, all of a sudden starting to like really move. I don't know if it's Maybe it's just purely seasonal or something like that, but to see um, those rates and um, occupancies and everything kind of start to plummet all at the same time here in the last month or, or two with all the other data that has done the same just was interesting to me. Um, another thing is construction spending. 
I've looked at that, you know, kind of month over month basis, year over year basis. And then what I, what I like to do with a lot of data is just look at the basic, like the actual just pure trend, not, not the, you know, changes, but just the no kidding. What is it actually just done from a, a level standpoint for the last 10, 20, 30 years? So if you, you can look at that and construction spending is well above kind of the pre GFC trend and then the post GFC trend. Um, so as we've talked about last week, to me, you could see that as like a sign of current strength and it obviously is, but I also see that as a sign of future weakness. Um, the, the potential energy for a lot of pain moving forward as construction slows down and construction work um, likely slows down as well. Um, we've actually had a pickup in, first of all, uh, non-residential construction has just been really steadily strong. Um, really for the last year and on the um, residential side, it was really strong, kind of pulled back for a little bit and is actually starting to move back higher. Um, I think the construction or the residential side is going to roll over uh, fairly soon on the non-residential side. It, that might have another year or two of pretty decent um, numbers just because it's, you know, it's mandated by government, a lot of it or it's subsidized so heavily that who cares what the economic signal says because, you know, you can't pass up the free money or the tax breaks or whatever it is. Um, but something we start watching from now on is the levels on that as, as they likely come back down and get into trend um, at some point in the break below. Um, and I'm kind of watching both of those trends. Same thing, actually going back to GDI, looking at the just pure GDI numbers on, on a nominal basis. Um, they, are back in the downtrend they were in for about 30 years um, after just exploding higher post COVID with all the stimulus. Well, you're back into the kind of channel that you were, you spent the last you know generation in, which I found notable. That tells me a good chance nominal GDP is going to do the same thing. So all the, the nominal GDP bros that have been calling for kind of six to 10% nominal GDP to be uh, here with us forever. I, I think they're going to, have a problem here soon with what looks to me at least to be something more like 4% nominal GDP, even in the fourth quarter. Um, and that actually could end up being a bit of a high, high number. It may be more like 3%. So, but Hey, that's just one quarter. And we just had one really strong Q3. So one really weak Q4 does not necessarily make a trend, but it is something worth um, thinking about. Another thing I, I'll, I'll mention real quick and I'll leave it at this is uh, mean stocks. Notice today a couple uh, silly companies. Zach and I were texting about uh, GameStop, Carvana, stuff like that, just ripping, despite the fact that you know rates are up and even Magnificent Seven's down. So I went and looked at the Goldman Sachs meme basket versus the S and P. And the meme basket since the November first is up about fourteen percent, whereas the S and P itself is up less than eight. So you're almost going. Two, two to one on the gains over the last uh, five weeks for for meme stocks. So for whatever reason, you know, you have crypto just absolutely ripping as well as meme stocks. So a lot of these liquidity sensitive assets all of a sudden have really caught a bid. Um, and, I mean, and we even saw that before the before the move completely failed and, and fizzled out and moved lower, but, but over overnight Sunday night with precious metals. So a lot of liquidity sensitive stuff kind of unhooking the trailer here of late. So 
it'll be interesting to see like if rates keep moving higher, you know, say for a few weeks, does all this liquidity stuff get hit again or does it kind of keep ripping? Because I mean, liquidity has been pretty, pretty supportive. If you look at uh, fed liquidity measures of global liquidity, however you going to want to look at them, it, it definitely has been supportive of late. Um, so I guess in a way that makes sense, but you would think that could, you, you would think that would occur at the same time as, Magnificent Seven um, and some other things like that continuing to do well. Um, from a data perspective, real quick, we had r- really nothing I-, I find all that important today. Nothing that moves the market um, substantially. Uh, factory orders and durable goods orders, things like that. They're they're continuing to kind of slow down, but nothing nothing catastrophic, especially especially X transportation. Um, tomorrow we will get uh, job openings from Jolts, so. That and uh, I believe tomorrow is services um, PMIs as well. So that, that's what I'll be keeping an eye on tomorrow, and that's what we'll be talking about tomorrow. But that is it for today. As always, you can download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. More tomorrow. Cheers. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.